Hi, and welcome to Following the Tracks. I'm your host, Sammy, and with me today is... Giselle! This is a science podcast that focuses on exploring wildlife research papers and explaining them in a way that makes the information digestible for people of scientific and non-scientific backgrounds. So we want to make science more easily accessible and understandable for people who might not know where to start. And just a little bit more about ourselves. I graduated from Iowa State University with a bachelor's degree in environmental science and animal ecology. Currently, I'm a freelance wildlife technician, uh, currently working on a variety of projects with different state agencies and universities. Very cool, Sammy. I also went to Iowa State. I have a bachelor's degree in industrial design, which isn't totally related to wildlife, but I'm what you may call a bird nerd. (laughs) And um, just generally, my whole life, wildlife has been very interesting to me and How animals interact with our natural world is just something I'm very curious about. I feel like that's That's something we're going to go into a lot today. Yes, that is. So I can easily take Sammy's information and turn it into what normal people who don't have wildlife backgrounds would understand it as. Yes, she's very smart. Thank you. (laughs) The paper we're talking about today is called Outsized Effect of Predation. Wolves Alter Wetland Creation and Recolonization by Killing Ecosystem Engineers. It's by Thomas Gable, Sean Johnson-Bice, Austin Homkeys, Steve Wendells, and Joseph K. Bump. This paper was published in Science Advances, and it was published on November 13th, 2020. Downloaded from science.org on January 10th, 2022. Just an important note, this article is free to read on www.science.org. But if you ever happen upon a scientific paper that you want to read... Don't buy it. Just Hmm. email the author, and there's a really good chance they'll email you a copy for free. When people buy research papers off of Elsevier or Science.org, the authors of that paper see none of that money. They actually have to pay the publisher to publish that paper. That sucks. Now, before diving into the paper, we're going to give you a little bit of background on our main characters of the paper, which are beavers and wolves. The gray wolf is found across North America. The Latin name is Canis lupus, and their main prey are deer moose. (laughs) (laughs) Sammy, tell me more about what a deer moose is, and where do they live, and what are they? Yeah, they're a hybrid, actually. (laughs) It's when a deer and a moose meet. I feel like that could be a thing that is actually real. Pause. How often in your career do you use Latin names? Because as somebody who just is interested in wildlife and um, just, you know, studies the stuff around me. I've never used anyone's Latin name for anything. It's not used casually. It's more so used scientifically in papers to distinguish different species. Okay. Or at least just to formally acknowledge. Okay. Because there's a lot of different common names for different species, and you can see that in oh, the bird world a lot. Yeah. But, like, for instance, brown bears versus grizzly bears – technically the same species but common names are used differently based on region okay that makes sense so maybe not something you know me as a as a regular interested in wildlife person needs to know but good to dive into when you have to write a scientific paper about good good question oh okay (laughs) thank you back to the gray wolf okay the gray wolf's latin name is canis lupus their main prey are deer moose and beaver They can live up to 13 years in the wild. Wow, that's very old. Yes. 
but they usually don't live that long. Okay. There is a debate among the science community that these wolves should be classified as a different species from the western gray wolves, but the only way to distinguish them from their slightly larger western counterparts is through genetic tests. Wolves once resided throughout Minnesota until the European colonizers arrived. Wolves were free to hunt and kill until 1974, after the Endangered Species Act of 1973 protected them. Fun fact, Minnesota is the only state in the lower 48 states that has always had a viable wolf population. Oh, very cool. Go Minnesota! Right? And in the 2020 Minnesota Wolf Survey, it was reported that the Minnesota wolf population was to be about 2,700 and described the population as stable. They are listed as threatened in Minnesota, but have hmm. no federal protection as of January 2020. So now our other character would be... Beaver! The beaver! Yay! We love beavers. I'll tell you a, bit, a little bit more about the North American beaver. The Latin name is Castor canadensis. They live about 10 to 12 years in the wild, and the adults can weigh 24 to 71 pounds. That is a chunky that beaver. Get- I don't, I couldn't lift, I don't, I don't think oh my I could gosh. lift a 71 pound beaver. I can't imagine a beaver being 71 pounds. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, anyway. The main source of food for beavers is wood and aquatic vegetation. They don't eat fish, as people are led to believe. Before colonizers became obsessed with beaver hats, yep, yeah, yeah. These beavers range from the deserts of North America all the way up to the Arctic tundra, and from sea to shining sea. They are mainly active at night. The largest recorded beaver dam is more than half a mile long, located in the Wood Buffalo National Park in northern Alberta. That is more than twice the width of the Hoover Dam. Jeez. Impressive. They really are. We should e- hire them. Ecosystem engineers, you know? Would you call them that? I would call them ecosystem <laughs> engineers for sure. Very impressive by the beavers. <laughs> All right, now diving into the paper, I'm going to read the abstract to you. Gray wolves are a premier example of how predators can transform ecosystems through trophic cascades. However, whether wolves change ecosystems as drastically as previously suggested has been increasingly questioned. We demonstrate how wolves alter wetland creation and recolonization by killing dispersing beavers. Beavers are ecosystem engineers that generate most wetland creation throughout boreal ecosystems. By studying beaver pond creation and recolonization patterns coupled with wolf predation on beavers, we determined that 84% of newly created and recolonized beaver ponds remained occupied until the fall, whereas 0% of newly created and recolonized ponds remained active after a wolf killed a dispersing beaver that colonized that pond. By affecting where and when beavers engineer ecosystems, wolves alter the ecological processes that occur due to beaver-created impoundments. Our study demonstrates how predators have an outsized effect on ecosystems when they kill ecosystem engineers. Cool. So, we can see, or maybe not see, we can see, the listener can't see. <laughs> the listener has no eyes. Okay, you got that. Okay, okay. The abstract introduces us to this important ecological relationship between wolves and beavers. Beavers, being an important ecosystem engineer whose purpose is to create dams which bring about extraordinary changes to a landscape, and wolves that prey upon these beavers, and pretty much prevent all of our streams and rivers from being dammed up by preying on dispersing beavers. That's pretty important. Mm-hmm. In the abstract and introduction of this paper, Gable et al. identifies a lack of knowledge in wolf ecology. 
that gap being whether wolves change ecosystems as drastically as previously suggested. The author then supports the idea that wolves do have a substantial effect on the ecosystem, and that this paper demonstrates, quote, how wolves alter wetland creation and recolonization by dispersing beavers. The author further supports this idea when he states that, quote, our study demonstrates how predators have an outsized effect on ecosystems when they kill ecosystem engineers. So, I think it's safe to say that this paper will present some damning evidence. Nice. That wolves do make drastic changes to ecosystems, especially in boreal ecosystems. Very cool. Okay, more about beavers, because we're obviously (laughs) very into beavers, these chunky boys. Why do beavers disperse? Well, I can tell you a little bit about that. A beaver colony usually has a breeding pair. They're kits of that year, some kits from the previous year, and sometimes they're two-year-old kits. Okay, so like all their children. Yeah, so they have like children from multiple years. <laughs> okay. You know, it's just kind of like a regular family. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's just a classic American family. <laughs> um, like all mammals, there comes a time to leave home, find your own territory, and mate, and pass your genetics to the next generation. So, I mean, that's how the world goes around. That's true. They just leave home. Like, we leave home. Sorry, Mom. Let's get into the introduction. In the introduction, the author describes the concept of apex predators in an ecosystem. Okay, tell me what an apex predator is. An apex predator is a top-tier predator that can alter the food web. Mm. An example of an apex predator is an orca. Mm. Orcas prey on sea otters, and sea otters eat sea urchins, which eat kelp forests. Kelp forests are an extremely important ecosystem in the ocean for many species and for climate change. Okay. They absorb a lot of carbon. Oh, cool. So we want to keep those around. Yes. And orcas keep a sustainable sea otter population, which keeps them from booming and then busting. If we lose the sea otters, then we lose the control they have on the sea urchin population. And if the sea urchin population got out of control, they would decimate the kelp forests. And that would be bad. That would be very bad. That would be very bad. So everybody has a very important role. To play. Yeah, exactly. Apex predators make ecological changes on their prey by reducing the prey population size or by changing their prey's behavior. And this can have indirect effects on other species in the ecosystem. And the same dynamic happens in boreal ecosystems between wolves, beavers, and wetlands. Okay, so why is quantifying the ecological impact of predators on the ecosystem important? Tell me more. It is important to understand the ability of predators to shape an ecosystem when we're talking about environmental destruction by humans. Okay, Giselle, okay. did yes. you know yes, that me. environmental destruction can take the form of habitat loss, fragmentation, and climate change? I mean, that makes sense, I suppose. Yeah, that's why having an understanding of a predator's role in the ecosystem means we can justify the necessity of their presence in nature, where people don't want them. Okay, pause. Are we apex predators? (laughs) I, that's another, that's a really great question. I think that we are removed from, Yeah. okay, so we're removed from, let's say, the food web. Okay. But at the same time, not at all because we have enormous effects right like we don't play fair in the food system yeah like in the we have food system opposable thumbs <laughs> exactly <laughs> like they don't, changes yeah. everything <laughs> they don't <laughs> i mean like because we don't participate in predation so much we don't i mean you still have people out going out and hunting right but not everybody goes out and hunts deer 
we have our own mechanism yeah. to our, our technology is too agriculture. far. Yeah, yeah. But like a lion could kill me. But, but you like, can't. I could also kill a lion. <laughs> nah, I probably couldn't. But <laughs> yeah. Okay, anyway. So yeah, kind of weird there. Because, you know, we're just the people causing environmental destruction. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing is, like, we don't directly participate in the natural food web. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, just humanity in general affects it so much with climate change and habitat loss. Sure. Like, you can't separate the two. Yeah. It's pretty bad. It's crazy. Anyway, that's a that's a whole other thing about where we are. That is true. <laughs> just just that's a whole other podcast yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Oh yes. So okay. Anyway, so so back to our our wolves and beavers. Our wolves and beavers. So it's really important to have an understanding of a predator's role in the ecosystem because we need to know when we disturb an ecosystem and we we and we ruin it. It's important to know how to restore that ecosystem and restore balance yeah. in nature. An example of this was in Yellowstone National Park. This is a huge case study that a lot of environmental scientists and wildlife people study. Yes, about wolves. Yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember learning about this when thing. I was a kid. Yep. So in Yellowstone National Park, wolves were completely hunted and pretty much rid of in the 1940s. Wow. With a wolf here or there, but no sustained population. People started to see the effects that this had on the park and the animals in it. And many saw a real need to reintroduce the wolves back into the park. Because with, along with other, many other reasons, deer and elk were dominating the park and overgrazing stream and riverbanks, which then disadvantages other species like beavers and songbirds. Mm. Luckily... In 1995 and 1996, the government allowed the relocation of 31 Western Canadian wolves to Yellowstone National Park. So, and then everyone lived happily ever after all oh, the problems were solved. No. <laughs> no. Can't be that. This is a really big and complex topic for another day. Um, but if you, the listener, are interested, or Giselle. Yes. If you're interested in learning <laughs> more about the wolf reintroduction in Yellowstone, this paper... And I recommend watching the video, How Wolves Change Rivers on YouTube by Sustainable Humans, which has over 43 million views. And you're one of them. Nice. So am I. I did watch that. It's very <laughs> educational. Very easy to understand as a non-science background person. It's It's got And some... it's so interesting. I don't know. It's just like crazy how bringing back an animal can affect so much and you know it's, revive an area yeah it's hard to predict all the effects that bringing the wolves back actually had on the landscape yeah which is important especially you know this huge piece of land like yellowstone that's so beautiful oh, and yeah. so important to our country but so the point okay. this paper is trying to make is that researching the role of predators in our ecosystem means that we have the justification to conserve predator species and reintroduce them in places where humans have wiped them out there's a chunk of important text at the end of the introduction that I would like to directly quote because I think it has some really important information. Okay. Quote, Given that both wolves and beavers are well-studied and sympatric throughout most circumpolar boreal ecosystems, it is surprising that there's no information about how this apex predator ecosystem engineer dynamic influences ecological processes. Here, we describe how wolves directly alter the persistence, and likely the spatial distribution, of beaver ponds in a southern boreal ecosystem through predation on dispersing beavers. By affecting where and when beavers can engineer ecosystems, wolves alter the ecological processes that beaver-created impoundments affect. So, 
And this is pretty much saying that wolves essentially control where beavers set up shop and then alter all of the ecological processes that that beaver dam affect. That, yeah, okay, that's crazy. So they're not only affecting the beaver population and, like, they're not just eating beavers, obviously. They're also affecting where the beavers are going, what the beavers Mm -hmm. are doing. Yeah. They are full control over these beavers. (laughs) I I wouldn't say one for word, full control. They're not not like, hey, They're brainwashing beavers. (laughs) No. They're like, do this or I will murder you. (laughs) They're blackmailing the beavers. Yes, yes. (laughs) Very smart of these wolves. Okay. Yeah. Going on from this introduction, the paper then includes a large table listing the beneficial ecological processes that beavers create. And we're going to read off a few just to give you an idea of what they are, Mm -hmm. because there are a lot. Okay. All right. So one of the beneficial ecological processes is that beaver dams purify water. Beaver-created wetlands create greater pH values and acid-neutralizing capacity in ponds. Whoa. Yeah, so How? you don't even need your life straw. Oh my! You just gotta go oh, to the beaver pond. I just drink. <laughs> I'm assuming I'm not. Or am maybe, I drinking from their pond or from the water that comes out from I, the dam? Actually, I'd probably go with the water that comes out. Yeah, and I wouldn't dam. really want to drink the still pond water. <laughs> no, because that's just. I need a life straw for that. Yeah, <laughs> probably all of it. We are not condoning be- <laughs> drinking lake water. No, no, you should definitely filter your water before drinking. <laughs> Please anything. filter your water. Yes. <laughs> okay. Another beneficial ecological process that beavers create is carbon sequestration. So they sequester and deposit carbon within layers, which then causes up to 200% greater carbon storage abilities. Yeah, that's crazy. So they store carbon. So we should pretty much let beavers run wild and solve climate change. Yeah. Why aren't they doing more to help us with climate change? Jeez. (laughs) Okay. You'd like this one. Okay. For passerines, the species richness is 1.3 to 2 times greater around a beaver pond, and the wetland area provides essential snag tree cavities for nests. Oh my gosh, cool. Maybe you should go bird around beaver ponds. Oh, you know, I could do that. That makes sense. Yeah, like in a wetlands area? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Beaver-created wetlands account for 81 to 100% of amphibian breeding sites. So similarly to them creating areas for tree cavities for birds for nests they can also increase um amphibian breeding sites so they're making production increase 1.2 to 23 times for amphibians that's crazy so 23 times they're helping the bird population and the amphibian population i mean they really should have put some negative benefits or yeah (laughs) negative they're they're, um they're flooding our backyards yeah yeah, right there's at this point it's like why not let beavers take over the world right (laughs) Uh, yeah that's what i think they're engineers ecosystem engineers they're pretty cool they're cute and they can be 71 pounds Going on to the next section, this paper gives us an in-depth description of the study area this research took place. Uh, But I'm just going to give you the SparkNotes version. Good, thank you. So the study was conducted as part of a larger study called the Voyager's Wolf Project, which takes place in the Greater Voyager's Ecosystem, or GVE, as we'll call it from here, and focuses on the study of wolf-prey interactions. The GVE is located in northern Minnesota and borders Ontario, Canada, so it's way up there. Okay. And the beaver population in this area has been described as dense for more than 40 years. 
and has been relatively stable for more than 30 years. Okay. Suggesting that this population in the GVE is at its natural carrying capacity. So this means that they are uh, operating at optimal capacity. Good for them. Yeah. Also, this makes sense, their location and how well they're doing, because up there, there's just up north in this greater Voyager's ecosystem, there's just so much land, so much... Wilderness. Wilderness, yeah. So yeah, they have great habitats. Of course, their populations are thriving. Oh, of course. Yep. Not a lot of humans, too. (laughs) That that helps. Humans are not thriving in the GVE. No, No, they're not. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably a good thing. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The wolf population, though, in the GVE has also had a high wolf density for more than 30 years. The white-tailed deer are their main food source, and with beavers making up 42% of a wolf's diet in ice-free seasons... Only ice-free season, so we're talking like, you know, 75% of the year, or? I don't know, northern Minnesota? Yeah, I suppose maybe less than 75 Seven months of the year is probably ice-free. Okay, yeah, that's true. Eight, maybe? Especially up there, it might be less, but okay, so they're eating a lot of beavers. But the beavers are still fine, so. Oh yeah, the beavers are doing great. They're at their optimal carrying capacity. Yeah, so they're they're not hurting. Yeah, so... Obviously, they're unable to prey on beavers when the water is frozen over because beavers stay in their lodges for the large majority of winter. Me I mean, too. I would. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. They only leave to get food. Same. Mm-hmm. And they have, but they have it stored nearby in the water around them. Smart. So, yeah, they don't have to go too far. Mm-hmm. Hard for the wolves to catch them. Yep. Exactly. So, an interesting fact that the author included in this section is that a wolf pack can remove about 38 to 42% of the beaver population in their territory, which is a substantial amount. Yeah. There isn't any evidence, though, that suggests that the wolves reduce the beaver population densities in the GVE. Hmm. So they keep it at a stable population. So next up is the materials and the methods section, which gets pretty dense and complicated. Okay. So I'm just going to try and keep it simple for you. Thank you. Yes. That's what we need. Lots of math and bootstrapping. Oh, okay. Not pulling yourself up by the bootstrap, but... (laughs) No. (laughs) But bootstrap data analysis. (laughs) Okay. So the author started off by listing how they assessed the ecological effects of wolf predation on dispersing beavers. And I will be quoting from the paper. First, they quantified wolf predation on dispersing beavers... Second, they estimated how wolf predation affects the creation, recolonization, and persistence of beaver ponds. And third, they examined how wolf predation affects the number of ponds and volume of surface water stored in the GVE. Okay, that makes sense. Very straightforward. Yeah. They're just, yeah, looking at how the wolf affects what the beavers are up to. Yep, so those are their their focuses. Okay. Um, And to conduct this research... Essentially, the researchers identified kill spots of collared wolves. So that's pretty much like if a wolf returns more than twice to a certain location, okay. that's not their den site, that's a kill spot. So oh. they're, returning, they're returning to a carcass. Okay, and they're researching the identified kill spot of wolves that they've previously trapped and given tracking to. Yeah, so they trap wolves, they collar them, and for the study, the wolves that they have collared, when they identify a kill site of these wolves, they venture out to that kill site on foot and see what that kill is. Okay. If it was a beaver, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they determined whether it was a colony beaver, like it came from a colony, 
and it was residing with other beavers, or if it's a dispersing beaver. If it was a dispersing beaver, they would locate where it dispersed to, the newly constructed or repaired pond, and then they dubbed that pond a wolf-altered pond. Okay. Because the beaver had dispersed. Yep, I'm with you. He's Um, on his own. Yep. He's He's a lone wolf. Lone beaver. Okay, okay, continue. <laughs> uh, so then they they dubbed that pond a wolf altered sure. ponds because that pond is now forever altered. There's no more beavers there, and they monitor it annually to determine its fate or just what happens to it. Dramatic. Yes, I love it. And as these scientists collect data on these wolf altered ponds, they compare them to newly created ponds by dispersing beavers that were not preyed upon by wolves and call them reference ponds. So they find these reference ponds or new ponds that dispersing beavers create Mm -hmm. just by on foot when they're traversing through the GVE or by satellite. They'll find new ponds. So they compare these wolf-altered ponds, like a newly created pond that used to have a beaver in it but no longer has a beaver, Compared to the ponds that do have beavers still living and okay, hanging and out so in these ponds. yeah, okay. So what's happening to the pond that a beaver no longer is at versus mm-hmm. what's happening to a pond where the beavers are still alive and not yep. preyed upon? And both those beavers were dispersing beavers. Yes. Yep. Okay. So they compare those two types of ponds and assess how the wolves are have affected the creation, recolonization, and persistence of them. Okay. So they go on to describe how they estimate the effect that wolves have on annual beaver pond creation and recolonization and the surface water storage in the GVE. Do you know, like, what specifically they're out there doing? Like, are they, like, getting, like, soil samples and, like, the water scientists? samples? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it depends on the scientists. Uh, there's the, the whole Greater Voyagers ecosystem has a lot of scientists and a lot of different projects out there, but this specific project... They're collaring wolves for not just this project, but a lot of projects. Okay. When I say this project, I mean the Voyager's Wolf Project. Okay. There's a lot of studies that take data from the Voyager's Wolf Project, and okay. this is one of those studies. Got it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the wolves are these apex predators, so of course there's going to be multiple studies going on. Oh, yeah. About how they're affecting populations of other animals, too, like deer or whatever. Super important. Well, maybe not deer. No, I don't know. Not but okay. definitely moose. Okay. Oh, moose. Yeah, that makes sense. They are studying that. Okay. So, from there we arrive at the results section. What did they find, you may ask? What did they find? The scientists found that between 2015 and 2019, an average of 4.5 dispersing beavers were killed per year per wolf. When they compared wolf-altered ponds to reference ponds, they found that 84% of the reference ponds colonized in summer lasted until the fall whereas zero percent of the wolf altered ponds lasted until the fall okay okay let me let me wrap my head around that yeah so and lasted means that the dams were completely non-functional and the water had started flowing freely downstream again so it means like the dam completely failed of the wolf altered ponds yes yes because there wasn't anything there keeping it there wasn't a beaver managing the dam okay but 84 percent of the beavers that were not preyed upon, 84% of them lasted until the fall. Right. 
So, so mo- majority of okay, sixteen percent of them failed, but that could have just been you know sixteen percent of beavers. Yeah, aren't very good at their job. Yeah, which I doubt. Or maybe they died of natural causes <laughs> or something. That's else. true. Yeah. Or they decided to move on. Yeah, to a they could. Yeah, they could have moved. Okay, yep. so so these wolf altered ponds don't last because there's nobody tending to them. Mm-hmm. Correct. That makes sense. So the scientists also found that wolves altered the establishment of around 88 ponds per year and the storage of about 194,000 meters cubed of water per year, which is a mm-hmm. large number to wrap your head around. And yeah. And it's around 78 Olympic swimming pools. Okay, so... And the greater voyager's ecosystem. So the wolves are affecting the beavers, which affected 88 ponds a year and affected 78... Olympic swimming pools worth of water. Yeah, so if the wolves didn't prey upon those beavers, every year you'd be adding 78 Olympic-sized pools worth of water. Oh my god. To the ecosystem every year. That'd be a lot of water. I think we'd be underwater. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah. We already have uh, so many lakes. (laughs) (laughs) We don't need any more. (laughs) So many more lakes in the state. Okay, we'd be like the land of 20,000 lakes. Oh, I probably 30,000. Who knows? Okay, okay, so a lot of water has been affected. Yes. From here, we're moving on to my favorite section, the discussion section. Mm. So we just get to wrap it all up in a nice and pretty bow. Nice. Uh, The author starts it off by saying... See, I just proved that wolves have a major effect on wetland ecology. I mean, you they do. You, I mean, he lays it all out for you right yeah. there. And as the paper said before, wolves don't suppress the beaver population in the GVE. And so the researchers remained unconvinced that the wolves also suppress the total number of newly created ponds. They say it's more likely that the importance of wolves preying upon beavers has in the ecosystem is the alteration of the spatiotemporal dynamics of where beavers create wetlands. Whoa, okay, that was a big word. So Big words, Big yes. words. It's a big word for Elmo. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> thank you. Okay, yes. I mean, that makes sense because... The, so, yeah, they're saying it's not necessarily that the... The wolves have, are suppressing yeah, how many beavers we have in Minnesota. It's, it's saying what the beavers are doing. And where they're doing is it. Is more influential. It's, yeah, so it's like the be- what the beavers do year to year isn't that big, but over time accumulates. Yeah, we could have 78 Olympic swimming pools worth of water added to our ecosystem in northern Minnesota every year. Yeah. And that'd be a lot. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a lot. Okay. So. <laughs> but there's a bit of text that I think explain this really well. And okay. I'm, so, quote, By influencing pond creation and recolonization, wolves contribute to the dynamic mosaic of abandoned and inundated ponds that increases environmental heterogeneity across space and time ultimately influencing the spatial variation, diversity, and richness of species. Okay. So a bit further along then in the text, the author states, even if wolves only prevent pond creation or recolonization for short time scales, parentheses less than two years, wolves' effect on spatial distribution of ponds at the landscape scale likely compounds over time because where wolves alter pond creation and recolonization almost certainly varies annually. Sure. In other words, wolves likely do not prevent pond creation and recolonization at the same 88 sites year after year, Mm -hmm. but rather alter the creation and recolonization of different ponds each year. Yes, so the beavers are moving around making 
ponds and other places and every year they're altering different places yeah so i'd say like it's it's prevent the wolves kind of prevent a buildup of a lot of beavers in one area so just one beaver and one pond doesn't have a big effect on the landscape but over a long period of time the disturbance of many beaver ponds can have a cumulative effect and create extensive changes to the landscape yes so it just keeps more and more yep that's why we need wolves yes keep them keep it under control but yes, exactly. And, and I'm going to pivot a little bit and remind you what the author mentioned in the beginning of this paper, which was that wolves can make ecological changes on their prey by reducing the prey population size or by changing their prey's behavior with fear of predation. In the discussion, the author wants to make it clear that this paper proves that the wolves in the GVE affects the GVE by direct predation on ecosystem engineering beavers without altering their behavior or the population density. Beavers have such a large effect on the ecosystem compared to other species. For example, you don't see ospreys or toads significantly altering the landscape. That's true. That's true. Toad ponds? Yeah. (laughs) Never heard of a toad pond. Uh, Yeah, or at least they don't have dramatic effects like a beaver would. They're very important nonetheless. Yes, yeah, that's true. But they... Toads aren't making their own habitat. Yeah, and they're not, yeah, it's not so large scale like a beaver's is. Or osprey. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So the effect that wolves have on the landscape by preying on beavers just goes to prove that they have too large an ecological effect, and understanding their role in it helps humans better conserve and restore predator populations around the globe. Yeah. The more we learn about all of this, the more we can use it in other places around the world. And I think that... This paper has some great information that can be applied to current events. Okay. Like what? So. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more. So wolf hunting is super controversial. Okay. If you haven't heard. Yeah, I have. So wolves were federally delisted from the endangered species list in January 2020. Oh, that's not very long ago. Nope. So the responsibility of wolf management is now up to states and tribes to manage wolf populations. Currently, Minnesota is considering a a wolf hunt, but first is collecting data on wolf population numbers in Minnesota, doing their due diligence. Okay. We saw the disaster of the February 2021 Wisconsin wolf hunt, where Mm. a quota of 200 wolves max were to be hunted. Regarding treaty rights, 81 wolves were to be for tribes, so only tribal people. Okay. And then 119 were allocated to non-tribal hunters. Okay. In just three days, the non-tribal hunters took 218 wolves. How could they do that? Almost 100 more than they were allowed. Um, Oh my god, that is crazy. Yeah, uh, there are some rumors about how this happened, but I think it was fault on management, Um. on management and hunters. It was just poorly conducted all around. Okay. Side note, I was recently told by a biologist in northern Minnesota that a big reason why so many wolves were taken in such a short period of time was due to the unexpected success that hunters with dogs would have in hunting wolves. God, that's so sad. Yep, and after that hunt, the next hunt was set to take place in November 2021, so Mm -hmm. just this last November, and the Wisconsin DNR lowered the quota for this hunt to 130. Okay, that's probably good. Yeah, (laughs) both parties were still mad. You you can't make anyone happy in this situation. No. Um, And the Great Lakes Indian Fish and Wildlife Commission claimed that 
The Wisconsin DNR did not have a, quote, sound enough population estimate and claimed that the second hunt would be premature. Just because of the kind of devastation yeah. that happened. They killed off way too many. Why have yes. another one then? Yeah. yeah. But before the second hunt, a judge blocked it due to the DNR not following the previously set protocols for wolf hunts and therefore, quote, not following the law or following the Constitution. Whoa, okay, yeah. this is some serious stuff. And the judge wanted to make it clear he wasn't against wolf hunting, but it was not being done properly. Yeah, I mean, it kind of just went crazy. Yeah. I mean, you have to have some control over it, otherwise... Yeah. Otherwise, the beavers are going to get out of control. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, exactly. So, relating it back to this paper, we see that being irresponsible and taking too many apex predators out of the ecosystem will lead to more ecosystem engineers altering the landscape, creating cascading effects, and will greatly alter our boreal ecosystem over time. Yeah. Yep. And so, though we wouldn't see dramatic effects from that wolf hunt, Mm -hmm. if they kept harvesting too many wolves over the years, Mm -hmm. we would see some, some major changes in our landscape. Yeah, especially if they go kill off way too many, of yeah. course. So why, to begin with, did Wisconsin, or if Minnesota does this, allow for wolf hunting? Yes. Was our population that out of control, like wolves? Do we have that many wolves? Nope. So this paper also, like, you know, previously said the wolf population, at least in the GVE, was, yes. was very stable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's more so... Some people think that having a hunt on them will bring in a lot of money and therefore support research. Oh, that's hard. Okay. Yeah, so it's... But it's, it's like, okay, obviously the population was okay, so I just think that's so really weird to throw yeah, in, exactly. like, let's murder some of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's just kind of... And it's it's being responsible about it, I think, is yeah. really important. I mean, you can't please everybody. Yeah. There's There's ranchers that claim that the wolves are destroying their crops okay um, or why yeah their animals or their livestock yeah. which is very important to prevent mm-hmm. you know that's that's their livelihood yeah and yeah. our food yeah exactly you can't just take one side it's not black it's not a black and white situation yeah okay uh, you have to find a middle ground and i think minnesota does a really good job of that middle ground when there is a rancher that suspects a, a wolf killed one of their animals, they'll call the DNR. And the DNR will come out and assess the kill, mm. and they'll determine whether it was wolf or not. Oh. Um, just because when a wolf does hunt livestock, it creates a lot of problems. Wolves, off the bat, don't see livestock as prey. Interesting. They have a prey image. Okay. So they, ha- they see deer... Moose and beaver. Yeah, they cray. They close their eyes at night and all they see is beavers. <laughs> yep. They count beavers to get to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and so when they get desperate, and it's it's usually in the spring when they're trying to feed pups and they're oh. desperate, mm-hmm. sometimes they will find livestock babies. Okay. Calves uh, or lambs. And that creates a problem because if one wolf hunts then they start to see that as an option for food Mm. and they teach the rest of their pack that that's an option for food okay so when one wolf when it's declared that yes a wolf killed this livestock animal they have to take out the whole pack oh my god because they don't know if that wolf already taught the others that that's (gasps) wow i didn't know that yeah but interesting it's it it's effective as in 
Um, it wolf pr- like preying on livestock does not happen often. Okay. And so when it does, and you have to take out the whole pack, it prevents more wolves from preying on the livestock. Mm, okay. And sometimes it's coyotes yeah, too. Yeah, I was gonna say it could be yeah, could um, be coyotes. But wolves, wolves avoid humans. Yeah. The wolves aren't interested in people. And people don't know, but they, you know, people, people don't and, know. and that's the thing is, people aren't. They're not educated. educated. No, no. They need to listen to this. They need to listen to this podcast. <laughs> Some people hate wolves so much because mm-hmm. that's what they were taught. They were taught to hate wolves. But they, yeah, I guess people need to understand how delicate this ecosystem is mm. and what every piece of the puzzle does. It's, oh, and I, I completely agree. But it's also it's if they're ranchers and they depend on the their animals. It's it's not just a pet that dies. Yeah. It's, it's literally money in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a really complicated situation. Yeah. And definitely one that we should all work together to mm-hmm. find a solution to. Mm-hmm. And and make sure that everybody lives happily ever after. <laughs> keep the <laughs> keep the wolves happy, keep the beavers happy, yeah, keep exactly. our lakes doing well. Yeah, the vegetation, don't... all of it. Okay. Right. So I learned a lot, I suppose. Just how delicate this all is. Yeah, and maybe not delicate exactly, but how much of a balance everything is. Mm-hmm. And how much we need to watch what we're doing. Yeah. And make sure that we promote a healthy ecosystem. Yep. So that people and wildlife can live in harmony. Yeah, I would agree. So go beavers. Be go beavers, go wolves. Go, go wolves, yeah. Go Honestly. Timber wolves. Go timber wolves. <laughs> Well, we shouldn't talk about the timber wolves, <laughs> aka as in basketball. Uh, yeah, they do. Oof. All right. Well, thanks for joining me on this podcast, Giselle. Oh my gosh, yes. Thank you for teaching me, Sammy. I I think it is beneficial to learn about all this, and it's very interesting. And like I said, I love wildlife, so I'm happy to happy to learn more. Yeah, and I think and it's, discuss. Thank you for helping me bring this into the public's. Yes, people need to know. And thanks for following the tracks with me. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can see, but I have my, um... You have your great Shrek shirt on? Footprints of North American mammals. There you go. You just wander off into the woods with that shirt on. I'll know everything. You'll know everything. (laughs) I hope you guys... Bye. Bye. I don't know if I'm saying bye (laughs) to Sources for this episode include Outside Effective Predation, Wolves Alter Wetland Creation and Recolonization by Killing Ecosystem Engineers by Thomas Gable, Sean Johnson Bice, Awesome Homekeys, Steve Wendells, and Joseph Bump. The National Park Service webpage about Yellowstone National Park. Eastern Illinois University's Aaron A. Clear's master's thesis called Natal Dispersal of Beavers in the Amberus River Watershed in Central Illinois. The International Wolf Center at www.wolf.org, the Wikipedia page for North American beavers, and an ABC News article called Judge Issues Injunction Blocking Wisconsin Fall Wolf Hunt by Todd Richmond. If you'd like to keep up with this podcast or see the figures and graphs included in the research paper we just talked about, you can follow our podcast on Instagram at Following the Tracks. If you like this podcast's cover art, feel free to follow the artist Giselle Ray on Instagram. Her handle is Giselle Ray of Sunshine. Just some thank yous for people that helped make this podcast happen. Frankie and friends for being my hype people. 
and encouraging me when I started thinking about making this. Giselle for being my co-host on this episode and for creating the podcast art cover. To Jen, my boss, for thinking of this podcast's title. And Larry Thompson for letting me borrow his microphones. Chickadee-dee-dee-dee.